Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Off the Beaten Track Podcast. I'm Stu Iffin, I'm your host. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's episode, well, it's a rather lovely episode. Um, I got to sit down with somebody that I've known, uh, I guess, for probably fast approaching 20 years. And uh, and I've watched um, his career in music grow and grow. And uh, so it was really nice to, to sit down and chew the fat. And uh, and my guest is is Luke Branch, um, frontman of Asylums and and one of the owners of Cool Thing Records. And we discuss all of this uh, amongst all the the other usual stuff: school, growing up, clubbing, creative journey, etc., etc. But before we get on with it, um, I just want to say thanks to Seventy Six for producing this podcast. Um, Thank you to Scribbis Pip and everybody over at the Distraction Pieces Network. And if this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, then um, go and have a rummage in the archives because um, you'll find up to 150 episodes of pod chats with uh, some incredible musicians, actors, uh, comedians, DJs, producers. Um, one of Luke's bandmates, um, Mike uh, Webster. Uh, that's a, another great chat worth uh, visiting. Um, and if that's not enough for you, then I also have a Patreon page where I put a standalone episode up each week um, over there. You can find out about all of this uh, off the beaten track podcast.com. Um, I'm going to stop with this intro business now and get on with the podcast. So please enjoy off the beaten track podcast with Luke Branch of Asylums. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year, and they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music, and they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable, and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing. And a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively 
and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we're recording. Um, welcome to Off The Beat and Track podcast. Joining me today, um, about probably about 25 miles up the road from here, but we're doing this in lockdown over the means of Zoom, is Luke from Asylums. Hello. Hello there, mate. Thanks for having us. Sorry, Luke Branch, really. I shouldn't just call you Luke from Asylums. You're, uh, you're your own entity as well, aren't you, mate? Yes, I come from a long, uh, a long line of crazy people uh, with, the bra- <laughs> with the branch surname. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, how you been? Um. Well, it's been an interesting uh, period. Uh, you can that's, the, that's an understatement. Um, I'm, I just I'm a habitual watcher, really, man. So um, I do my I do my music work. Um, I do uh, some of my day job bits and pieces, and then I just spend time with my family. I've got a six month year old at home, so it's been a it's been a very different period for me. But I'm 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 grateful in some ways to have had some extra time to spend with my. Um, my son so because uh it's a, it's a juggling um extravaganza at the best of times but on the kind of flip of that it's been a sort of dark and very de- depressing time in some ways and then in other ways uh there's some inspirational stuff happening so so it's a it's a mixture of uh, emotions for me man i think so i think that's the case I, you know I, I, i've been asking every guest that i've had on during lockdown about this and and how it's affected them you know, not just as a human, but, you know, as a creative as well. And, you know, lots of people have kind of instantly gone back with, you know, when we was told we was going to be house band, that, that, that was it. I just thought, right, I'm going to write an album. I'm going to Mm -hmm. do this. And, but they said quite quickly, that kind of knee jerk response, I'm going to do that also was met with a complete creative lull and, and no kind of fire in their belly to do it. Right. Uh, And it said it took a few weeks, which I think, seems you know i mean i'll I'll be curious to know how it affected you because i think everybody just whatever you know whoever you are like when you're told you can't leave your house and there's something that none of us have ever experienced before i think nobody knew what to do so i think everybody some of us sort of went into like a bit of a holiday mode and it was like i'll have a beer tonight and and stuff like that but I, I, i do think it took a few weeks for people to just slightly kind of get their head around what was going on and sort of settle into a routine how was it for you um well i kind of i was out and about 
the last day bef- uh, before lockdown, and we were we were working on some stuff for the album actually with a with, with a, a, a video maker, and um, and then like the kind of I think the press conference where they talked about the furloughing scheme for the first time that all happened, and we were kind of I think it was a Friday, maybe that was several days before the actual lockdown, and and I just kind of uh, I was processing, I wasn't saying a lot, uh, and I I I, I just kind of came home. And I have a little kind of office in my back garden, which uh, I had done w- when the baby uh, was born. And I just I just went out there and painted it white uh, and then ordered some soundproofing, did that, um, moved all my musical equipment out here, which is very modest, to say the least. Uh, old school eight track, acoustic guitar, keyboard from Argos and, you, you know, uh, a few bits, <laughs> a few other bits and bobs and 808, which is probably my most favorite thing. But I just I, I write every day anyway. So I thought well, I'm probably going to go mad if I don't write because I can't perform. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like I say, I've always been. I've always been an everyday writer. I do it for mental health reasons as much as anything else. And just a pure escapism, just good old fashioned, you know, I'm not thinking, I'm just creating. So, so on that, on that level, I kind of enjoyed building my little, um, you know, kind of TARDIS out in the back yeah. garden. But, um, but it took me, I would say at least, you know, five, five or so weeks to start making sense of the world and what was even happening, you know, and, um, yeah. and, and, and what it meant for me as an individual and for the people that I knew as, as, you know, as, as the music industry came under more and more, uh, strain to, 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 to be able to develop ways to survive as we all were as performers, but then people behind the scenes from sound engineers sure. to tour managers and all the rest of it. So there was that going on and then just like huge admiration for, for the people that, um, you know, working for the NHS and caregivers and stuff, and and just sort of, you know, uh, that I've I've always I've always had a lot of of love because when I was very young, I, I was I was ill with meningitis and they saved my life, you know, and so it's not something that you know is it's something super super sincere as I'm sure it's for everybody that claps and what have you, but but, but for, mm. for for me it's personal as well. It's you know I you know and then just having had the baby, we had a really difficult. Um, kind of time and we we're in hospital for a week and they were just you know just total uh you know heroes and heroines yeah. so um so yeah you know a, a bit of a long way around to say it's it's been emotional uh, it's not yeah. been not been without good moments it's been like i say with my son and writing and developing interesting ways to communicate with people on the label that we run and, and our own band but we are yeah. prom- promoting a record through this time uh, which yeah. is almost a culmination of almost a life's work you know so um it's kind of it's kind of yeah it's a lot of mental balancing and uh what have you well we'll we'll definitely talk um about uh the album uh, and the band and and what's going on as this this podcast unfolds but um i always like to kick off the um the, the chat luke um with uh track one which is what you think is the song with the greatest ever intro that is a hard question. There's so many great, great. They're can- meant to be hard, Luke. Yeah, very, very. Yeah, there's so many great <laughs> candidates running through my mind, but I thought I'd just go with the absolute truth of when I was a little egg getting into music, and I just heard the first chords of In Utero roar out, and I was like, "That sounds like the way I feel every day." And then it just busted into that riff, and probably one of the coolest opening lines of a record ever. And the track being, "Serve the Servants," Luke. Last week, I had um, Justin from Editors and um, Minor Victories on the podcast. He chose that as well. Oh, that's like, interesting. So, and like a lot of people would kind of 
will always go, well, you know, I thought about team spirit, but, but, but swerved it. <laughs> and, and it, you know, it, it, um, when he sent his tracks over, I went back and listened to In Utero. Yeah. And and that track, which I, I, I also said to, to Justin when he mentioned it, it's fucking insane, isn't it? It's almost metal. It's like, it's just fucking huge, isn't it? I think it's just, it's got... I don't know. I don't know whether the, uh, this is just my kind of assumption, but there's an there's almost a sort of early Beatles esque quality to the drumming. I mean, it's on the it's on the ride symbol in the verse, yeah. which is very Ringo. But yeah. but really, I think what the bit the bit of the, the bits of the song that really connect with me. I mean, they're a great band. Of course, they're a great band. But it's it's the level of sarcasm, disdain, emotional turmoil in the lyrics, and that solo man. That solo is just next level crazy, yeah. and it's like. I don't know, no wave music inside pop music. So yeah. super corn. It's just so direct and simple at its core. Um, but it's, it's super intelligent as well. So it really appeals to me that. And, and obviously it must've made a dent sonically because am I right that, that the new album's produced by Steve Albini? It is. It is. And, um, you know, there's a, there's so many great records that that guy's made. I wouldn't want to reduce him down to to just the record that he made with Nirvana or anything like that. But that that was like um, a big, um, you know, when I, where I, when I was growing up, uh, we only we only had Woolworths in my in where I lived, and there was no record shops. You know, so if it wasn't um, you know coming through the mainstream until i was about 15 i'm probably couldn't i wouldn't hear it you know maybe a little bit younger 14 or something but definitely around 12 13 and i had to be able to get hold of like <laughs> those records in Woolworths. and um and I, and I remember like kind of picking that up years after it had come out it wasn't lo- lo- lots of time but it was it was a good few years after it had actually been released and it kind of turned me on to first things like the blue album by weezer and but then it kind of and but then as i kind of got older i started to discover all this great stuff that albini had done which kind of gave me a sort of um you know underground american um history lesson and um you know everything from like slin through to sort of like you know unreleased albums that they do like fugazi and big black his own bands like shellac and it just you know i think it more than anything is a super inspirational um and fertile time that 80s into 90s um underground american scene yeah. that he was so uh, affiliated with and you know and then some great british stuff you know pj harvey okay um, for track two, Luke, I want to know what the first song was that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my mum used to teach aerobics and, um, you know, cl- it, it, you know, kind of very, very intimidating for a young boy to be carried along to, to an aerobics <laughs> lesson because they couldn't find a babysitter. And my parents were very young. My mum, my mum, you know, I think they had me when they were like 22 or something, you know, so she was still a young woman when I was going there. And like, and, you know, it was, it was a, you know, I couldn't say it was sexy. I didn't know what that was all about at that point. But, um, but I remember on, on one particular evening, she was listening to Sign of the Times, the whole album on the way to aerobics and, and we were early which is classic my mum because she she she's got ants in her pants man she's always trying to get out the door and um 
and we just sat <laughs> and just listened to it. And, and I suddenly heard it as it was intended to be listened to rather than just like background music for, for, yeah. for, for a kid. And I was, I said, mom, what's this, what's, what's this song about? Cause there's all the, you know, uh, when a rocket ship explodes um, and everybody still wants to fly, man ain't happy till man truly dies. And it's yeah. just like, I mean, when you're like, I, you know, it's, you know it's, yeah. there's some pretty existential stuff going on in that song. And, um, and I mean, the, it, was, it, it still felt like that when I was 18, when I heard it, man, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it just crosses everything, you know, I mean, that, that first verse, you know, in Paris, a skinny yeah. man dies of a big disease with a little name. And I think, you know, musically it's, it's absolutely just got this hollowed out space to it, which yeah. really, really sounds as detached as the lyrics come across. And then, mm. you know, kind of, I, I, it got me questioning the world. And that was the first song that had ever done that. Uh, and, and trying to understand the world that I was, that I was growing up in, which was, you know, I was in, you know, a very small town in Essex called Hadley, which didn't have anything but car showrooms in it. And all of a sudden you're thinking about kind of nuclear war and kind of the ceiling being torn off churches and AIDS and heroin and crack and all these things that are going on in the world, really, really kind of distressing things. And then it's just there on this record by this guy that's widely regarded as a sex symbol uh, with, with, you know, with the sexiest <laughs> of the sexy, uh, <laughs> but, you know, inside that brain was a lot of amazing stuff as everybody knows. So I was, I was totally inspired by it, you know? And so that emotion would have been what? Um, well, <laughs> I have good days and bad days and I think it tapped into the, the feelings yeah, that I have on bad days you know, yeah. which is kind of like just attachment and just, um, and the, even the sound of it just sounds like that, you know, that kind of throbbing, almost kind of heartbeat running through it on the kick and the snare and no chords really, you know, just totally skeletal. And then, so the words are up front and center. And I think it just, I don't know when I'm having you know, a bad time, which, you know, is less these days, but, um, I it just, there's certain, there's certain kinds of music that resonates with me uh, in that way. And, um, that was probably the first one that I can remember that did it um, in, you know, that kind of spoke to that part of me. Are you comfortable? Um, like when, when you're having like, um, a, a day where you're feeling low, um, do you, do you reach for some, you know, I'm not saying S club seven, but do you reach for something positive and up or are you happy to kind of immerse yourself in that feeling and, and, and soundtrack it with music that, that, that kind of aids that? I think as I've got older, I've learned how to, I've learned how to manage those kind of things. I think they're very common with, 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 uh, you know, creative people, but not just creative people. And I think, you know, yeah, there were probably years where I, you know, I would sit listening to Joy Division until my ears fell off, uh, you know, uh, but then there were, you know, I've, I use meditation, you know, meditation twice a day. That's a, that's a good stabilizing force in my life and, and making music is and, and performances. And I think, you know, the performer in me is the opposite, you know, of, of that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of part of me. So it, I kind of, tried to balance myself out by by going crazy and running around stage sometimes and then i'll sit and think about <laughs> words endlessly uh yeah. in, a, in a darkened room as you'd expect <laughs> wonderful um so for track three luke the song that reminds you of your time at school oh wow this was a hard one to pick you know because um 
when I was at secondary school specifically, like that's where I just got so into music then I, and I would move on really quickly, you know, as, as a mod for a while, you know, into like kind of, you know, grunge and, you know, you know Britpop. And then, and then I, towards, you know, the end I was getting into, the, you know, kind of electronic music. So, um, so it was hard to whittle it down, but I, one thing kind of as, as, as when you ask the question like that, you know, kind of, uh, normally a memory occurs right and it, I, th- I think you know kind of I just remember going to see my friend Leon um on a Saturday I think in the summer holidays which are just glorious anyway but um and I and I, I kind of they were he was rehearsing with a band um which contained another one of my best friends and they were playing so loud uh that like they couldn't hear me and so I just, I just thought, oh, sorry, I'll just go and sit. And let's go and sit and chill out by the book. And I just listened to them rehearse for about 15 minutes and they played Richard III um, and I'd always loved it. But I think at that moment I was like, I think I want to be a musician because <laughs> it just sounded like the greatest time they were having in there. You know, it's full of energy and life. And then... Um, you know, nothing really speaks to me lyrically uh, on that song or anything. That one's just pure adrenaline. Just it thunders, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It's just, and it it sounds like three brains or maybe four brains. You know, kind of working in <laughs> perfectly complementing what yeah. each each other. And it's a really sophisticated arrangement. It's all sorts of reasons to love it. Yeah. But but when it comes down to the crunch, that opening riff just blows my head off, and it just reminds me of whatever that summer was. I can't remember what year it would have been, but um. But it just, you know, the doors come off, man, and it and it's powerful. And I, I had the good fortune of of meeting Danny Goffey a couple of years ago. We we played a show for him at his house, um, and it was called uh, I think Goff Goftonberry <laughs> after Danny Goffey, you know. So, but you know, that was kind of a weird thing, you know, when you when you get older and you start to meet people yeah. uh, that you've that have been quite inspirational to you in your in your younger years and i you know i was totally starstruck you know even as an older man i was just like i love your drumming style you know incredible drummer yeah and actually a great writer you know just Mm. as well i think you know kind of i didn't realize how many uh contributions he made you know when i was younger to that band and um i love everyone in that band they're great but um he was such a nice he was such a nice guy as well which is always you know a massive uh, you know, kind of thrill when you meet someone. They're yeah. just totally, totally cool. And he really was. <laughs> I, I I went to this um, gig once um, and it was, like, they used to do them, I think something to do with Gary Crowley at the time. And uh, and they used to put them on uh, and, and you'd go and like, I think the tickets were like eight quid and you would see like Populi itself, Carter and like, and someone else all on the same bill. It was just ridiculous. And it felt... It probably wasn't, but it felt at the time like they were going on every week. Um, and we went to one of them one night, and I can't think who it was we went to see. I think it may even have been Swade. Um, and this is like very early 90s. And and the first band on were the Jennifers. And, and they've come out. And knowing you just think, I felt like a kid. But then I saw them walk out. And they it must have been... I don't know if the Jennifers was... All three members of Supergrass. But it was, it was, yeah. I think it was just two, but they literally looked like they'd just popped out in their school lunch break to play. It was, uh, but it was just they were a fucking incredible band, and and yeah, and it, and and I've not got to see them yet because you know I think in the middle of all of their kind of comeback stuff, 
it's all kind of obviously gone out the window at the moment due to the situation we're in. Yeah, that totally totally sucks. They deserve them. They deserve their big moment. Yeah. It seemed like they were about to have it. But back to the Jennifers, more importantly. <laughs> my, 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 my very good uh, friend. I don't have many friends that run labels at all, but I, I am friends and I've been for about 10 years with uh, Saul Galpin, who ran Nude Records in the 90s. And uh, we've just become, you know, really good friends. Um, and he put the Jennifer's record out. Um, oh, really? Oh, that he, probably was Suede that they were playing with then. Right, right, yeah. And um, I mean, he, you know, of course, he was just like, oh, God, I should have totally liked Suede. But he did yeah. say to me that, he, I mean, you know, Saul's a real music fan and stuff. And I, I, I would imagine that this is the gospel truth. He said to me, you, you guys just need to listen to The Clash and T-Rex. Or no, or Bowie, rather. And um, and I think they they took his advice and then they came totally. up came up with all those absolute bangers off the first yeah. al- first album. And I think by that by that time, Saul was just like, oh no, <laughs> I sh- <laughs> perhaps I should have like you know agreed to do the album first. But yeah, I don't think I don't think Mickey was in the band then. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I think you know every musician in that band, although very kind of unorthodox in the way they do things, I I just mm. think yeah, they're a great band, they're great songwriters, and they're good fun, you know. Totally. Well, just going back to school um, briefly, Luke, did, did you enjoy it? Did I enjoy school? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a bad time at school, um, but I was excellent and abysmal in equal measure at different, th- <laughs> d- different things. So it was confusing because <laughs> I thought maybe I was stupid, but, um, you know, I, I had a aptitude for kind of English uh, and maths and music and art and that's it <laughs> yeah. i mean there, there's some if you're gonna pursue a creative life there's some there's some good ones to have in your back pocket there <laughs> yeah I, was, I just remember in my french oral exams they asked me you know asked me in french uh where are you going on holiday and i said espanol i think uh, and and they, they said how are you going to get there and, and and i just was searching my mind for a mode of transport i could remember <laughs> and I, I think i said uh, velo you know a bike you know i was going to go to spain on my bike but um but you know i met some i had a, in the first few years were tricky cuz i was a comic book geek and still am but i hadn't really discovered music and i was a swimmer and i was swimming for essex so i was kind of double geek you know which was kind of like you know um not not in team sports on, on my own do every weekend doing galas which was really good for me actually because i am quite an introvert and it made me rise to the moment uh every weekend i found it quite stressful at the time but i think in later life it stood me in good stead for being able to perform on stage i never really get nervous so in that set that so that was kind of cool um but difficult to you know, mix, I suppose, because I wouldn't be around at the weekend to do yeah. play football over the park or something like that. So, so that was going on. But then at the same time, uh, you know, kind of I was like sneaking into comic book shops, like the shops after school and kind of just like I do it and then drifting away into, you know, other worlds, reading them at night and yeah. not really doing my homework. So there was that for a few years. And then I met Leon, who I later formed a band with, who's one of my best friends at school. Um, and, and we, were just mad for music you know and we just started it started with he he, he, he kind of kindly uh, copied me like an oasis album and a, and a nirvana album on cassette and he drew the picture for me and it, i've still got it it's you know it's like and he passed over to me and he showed me how to play a power called in maths just by showing me like just with his hand and um 
you know, let, lent me his metal zone pedal. And we kind of, and then from about sort of year nine, we were just full on into music. And then kind of the weirder we got, <laughs> the more popular we got, which was the absolute strangest thing ever. And I would never, yeah. knew, I never knew how to take that either. So I was, I was, I was lost when I was ignored and I was lost when I was admired. <laughs> <laughs> so make of that what you will. So I, yeah, school was, was weird. I think I really found my place in the world a little bit later, maybe when I was about 18. Did you want to be a musician when you was at school? Um, I think, you know, maybe at that time looking at, the bands that we were into, they were massive, you know, and it, it certainly had a, it had a appeal to it, you know, uh, you know, quit school, join a band, become, you know, uh, a free spirit uh, with, with enough money to survive and not have to get a real job. That felt good. But sure. my, my dad was a, um, was an art teacher and a freelance illustrator and he had me very young. So he had to kind of lean on the teaching more and more as we sort of got older. And so he, he was really supportive of all my creative endeavors. And I, I would draw when I was into comics, I draw all the time, you know? Um, so I, I had the creative impulse from about four. Um, I won like a competition to draw an ET, a picture of ET. And they, they put my picture on a t-shirt and then a little bit after that, I, I, drew, I drew a logo, which was later used by my school for, for the school. And so they had, had these kind of little hints that I might be okay at that sort of thing and not, not other things, ma- yeah. ma- ma- masses of other things. But, um, but yeah, I think kind of um, I, 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 school on the whole, it was an exciting time to, 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 to be young. And, um, and I, I think I did want to be a musician, but I never really got the courage to, to yeah. pursue it in a really, really serious way until I was – 16 and then i really yeah. it's uh, a couple of things happened to me and, and then I, I kind of it locked, it locked in you know hello i've interrupted the podcast again haven't i sorry it won't take a sec all i want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast if we can't play them it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such so if you want to hear the songs just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up and get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. You, you said that you, you know, you, you was quite introverted, and 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 I mean, I should say for the the, the, the for the listeners at home, and um, this isn't the first time we've met. We've known each other probably, I would say, fifteen, twenty years, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had friends in common, right? We did, we did. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it is, it is quite strange because. <clears throat> I saw your your bands your band with your, uh, with Leon mm-hmm. um, and Dave called Smother. That, that this is the first time I saw you perform. Um, yeah. Introvert and shy were not words that I would definitely say come across when you stood on stage in front of a mm-hmm. microphone. Um, confidence um, and definitely it come across you had something to say. Sure, sure. Um... It's hard to explain really, man. I mean, I've seen that in a lot of performers uh, that I've been on tour with and stuff. But, you know, I, I think it's just like someone puts the kettle on when you're like, the kettle in your head, I mean, they put it on when you're about 13. And if you don't, if the steam doesn't start coming out, it just gets more and more inten- <laughs> in, 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 intense in there. And, you know, school wasn't the right platform for me to kind of take my shirt off and smash the place up. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, of, of performance and it is performance. And, uh, what do you shit, like about that? Do you, do you, do you like the attention? Not, it's not the attention. It's the, like, I understand now, now I meditate and I still perform and still write and I can see what's going on in my brain a little bit more clearly. Now, what was going on, uh, at that time was I needed to just, I needed to just like scream <laughs> and then, and then just have endorphins in my brain. Yeah. And you know, the release and, 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 and then the moment of calm after a gig was just total clear headedness, just totally empty. And I loved that feeling and it was total escapism while you were doing it. So, so it, if I went out my way to not be me, uh, yeah. although there was a there was a sincere it was coming from a sincere place to perform and entertain and and to i really worked on the music and i always have worked hard on my, on my music uh but um but it certainly wasn't for um it certainly wasn't for attention uh i find attention quite difficult to deal with to be honest and that's why i've always preferred to be in bands where i'm among yeah friends and stuff you know like you know I, lo- I love being in a band with mike because he knows how to deal with attention you know yeah. and he um he's at ease with it but there are aspects of it which it's always nice if someone enjoys what you do absolutely sure. but but yeah like <clears throat> there are there's a definitely a need to just like let go massively yeah for for me and when i do there's just no there's nothing there's no edges to it um but uh but in my day-to-day life, I'm a considered a quite sensitive person, I would say. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, for listeners that are wondering, Luke's got his shirt off and he's painted gold at the moment. But, um... <laughs> I didn't want to give you <laughs> snow blindness. <laughs> Although it's so dark and dingy in this room, I don't, know if, I don't even know if you'd be able to see my puny little chest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And you mentioned Mike earlier, um, who plays uh, bass in your band. Um, and Mike's also been a guest on the podcast, so um, you can uh, you can listen to that as well, uh, which gives you an insight into um, Mike's career that, that for, for many years kind of was parallel alongside yours, and then you've you've, you've come together and and uh, and we'll, we'll obviously get onto the label as well as the bands. Uh, yeah, in I a mean, bit. there's so much I could say about Mike. I own everything really. He's, uh, he's, he, yeah, he's one of my favourite human beings. He's, no, uh, I just, they don't make, me, there's not many like that out there. Like, well, there's two. He's got a twin. You're lucky. Jim, Jim is, Jim is absolutely, absolutely amazing. I've just not had the good fortune to spend as much time because me and Mike work together and we do the sure. label together. We play in two bands together. And so we, are, we, we talk for hours on every, every day, you know. So, yeah. so I've just, you know, and also, I think maybe when we, uh, yeah, I don't know if this is the right time to even speak about this kind of stuff, but, you know, just at the time that we started working together, we couldn't have been more on our ass. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of, it was back to, it was back to, you know, being 15 or 16 again and just finding the, pu- the purity and just, you know, just wanting the endorphin release, just wanting the yeah. cre- cre- creative all that stuff, it was so far from uh, getting attention was so far from our radar at that point. We just, it was just love of the art, you know what I mean? Yeah. Big time, big time, man. But then, and, and it's taught me that that's the most important, uh, that's the nucleus of everything that matters. Okay. Loving it, you know. Well, let's trace it back to where some of this could have begun. Uh, what was the first record you bought from a record store, Luke? First record I bought from a record store. Okay. This is. I was I was being parented as I bought it, and I was certainly being manipulated. But I'm glad for it because my dad was very young, as I said, you know. So he had cool taste in music, actually, and I owe a lot to him. What he would ex- during grow- growing up, he would be mass- massively into hip hop and punk, uh, and but not just that, you know. He's bought a few crap records as well. <laughs> but I remember him showing me this like Leonard Cohen record from the eight, and I was like, "This is Leonard Cohen. This is awful," you know. Like, yeah. and then I heard all his great stuff years later, but. Um, but no, he 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 was a big hip hop fan, and and um, I loved those hip hop sleeves, those LPs. They look so amazing, and one in particular, I always wanted my own copy of it. And um, it was Three Feet High and Rising by um, by De La Soul, and to me, that record is just one of the absolute greats. Uh, but it started by getting a single, uh, which was Say No Go and hunting that down uh, long after it had come out. And I, I still love the whole album, but that song, uh, I think it fuses. A, I think it fuses the fun of something like Supergrass. That sort of appeal for me on a musical level. I mean, they've got nothing in common with each other, but in a weird kind of way that the, they're a great. Delos are a great fusion of like really insightful, intelligent, uh, and and quite important lyrics, and and. But it, they're just—they're a fun band at the same time. So it—it it all, it all, its its just that—that—that that, that combination really, really—it really draws me in. You know, the whole world of Della Soul drew, drew me in. I mean, you know, the Della Soul is Dead record is great too. And but say no go, you know, the anti-drug message in that song, and and but not making it totally overt. And then you know, the great all these kind of great hooks and things like that. I think it taught me more about hooks than the Beatles did, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, but um, that's not to say one is not better than the other. It's just, you know, that's the era. That's, that's what was being played in my house when I was growing up. And I love, I love little musical snatches like that. They're all over that record. 
I can't I believe mean, how... Every single track's got an interlude in between it, and it's, it is cartoony in places. And, and, and for someone, you know, I was, I was 17 when that came out, and for someone that was very much excited by hip-hop, and when you look at the stuff that you was exposed to, you know, like Rakim and, and Public Enemy uh, and stuff like that, it was, you know, LL Cool J, it was all very hard aggressive, mm. angry hip-hop. And then all of a sudden you've got this album that, that triggered the whole Daisy Age scene of Tribe, Jungle Brothers, Moni Love, Queen Latifah. It all kind of boomed from just the exposure that that album got. And that album, unfortunately, those that want to listen to Luke's playlist on, on, on the Spotify playlist that comes um, with this, you're not going to get your De La Soul on Spotify because I don't think they ever got any kind of clearance on any of the stuff that they put on that album. Oh, uh, there was so many samples. And, um, yeah, but if you get a chance to, to ever grab a copy from a record shop, just do it because that album, it's it's so fucking punk as well. It's so lo-fi. It's like, it's, it, uh, there's a reason why I think why so many people, you know, will, will, will put their hand up and say, you know, that's one of the most important records in hip-hop. Oh, I think man. Prince Paul, you know, mega. I mean, how old were De La Soul when they made that? Like 18, 19 years yeah. old. And then you've got like, you know, there's like, you know, John Bonham drum parts mixed with like Otis Redding whistling. And, you know, I never heard the original records that any of those things yeah. came from. So it was like, it was like a psychedelic, you know, kind of time portal through yeah. m- music, you know, from the last 30, 40 years before yeah. it. And, um, you know, yeah, it turned me on to tri- uh, Tribe. I mean, I love Theory is one of my favorite albums. And, um, you know, and the lo-fi element, I still, you know, things like Kid Koala and, and you know, Shad- DJ Shadow, things that I got into later in life. I think that little yeah. bit of, that little bit of homemadeness to Three Feet High and Rising, I still need a bit of that in any of the yeah. music that I listen to. I think, I think it just, Something, something very, something very charming about the whole thing, and, and definitely, yeah, yeah, waxing lyrical. Sorry, <laughs> we can always wax lyrical about Dennis Soul Luke. Um, course, man. Did you get to see? Did you come to the toothbrush when we had Maceo? What year would would that have been? Oh, two thousand and one, maybe. I don't know. I think. Because I, I used to work at the Sunrooms, uh, yeah. and so I was kind of normally in between tours, even as he's eighteen year old or whatever. It's like, yeah, I was always there. Um, I would lo- I would love to have, um, and I, I would I've never seen them live. Uh, I would love to see, I would love to see them live, but um, but having said that, actually, you know, in, in I, I did get a great musical education at the Sunrooms. You know, they always had yeah. great, great hip hop nights, and they would play all all that great stuff yeah. you know, all the time. And it would kind of it was like it had been released. You know, that yeah. year, year it was like being kept alive and in, in that in that in that bar anyway in South End, which was kind of uh, for for listeners that don't know South End too well. It was also called the Scum Rooms on the sides. So <laughs> I fit I fit in perfectly. <laughs> do you know what i have one of the uh the, the best experiences of, of of my life in there um and and to give some sort of context to it it was uh, like the, the venue was like a sort of little two-story sort of bar and and it was 
it was very bohemian when you worked there it was very bohemian in its decor and then upstairs like anyway i remember being up there one night and there was there was this band on playing upstairs and and i looked over in the corner was 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 a guy with with a spoon and a lighter burning stuff and i was like fuck it's pretty liberal in here and uh and i remember going over and going like what's that dude and he went absinthe and i was like wicked and i went <laughs> they sell that here and he went yeah and this was like before you could buy absinthe anywhere it was this oh, new man. thing and it was like yeah it's made from like the root of wormwood it's like yes yeah, it's a, a hallucinogen so i was like right so i remember just going <laughs> and buying a load of it and just sitting there not burning a spoon it must have looked fucking insane and and drunk a shed load of absinthe and i remember going up to this band afterwards just going like fucking hell man I, that's the, the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And, uh, <laughs> and they were like, thanks, man. I was like, look, I'm going to put you on at the toothbrush. I, I, you know, I, I don't mean it in a horrible way at all, but I, I can't even remember who they, what they were called, but I booked them to come and play at the toothbrush like the following month. And I was like, man, I can't wait to see this band again. They fucking destroyed my mind. <laughs> it was fucking shocking, Luke. <laughs> Awful. But I think I probably had about half a pint of absinthe. And, like, and I was like, I've seen the future. It's this four-piece in some rooms. <laughs> oh, mate. I, I could tell you some stories. But, I, but, I, but, but yeah, man, I mean, like, I mean, that that place was 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 great in some respects. And, and in other 100%. respects... Other respects, it was deeply, uh, you know, stressful to work there. Yeah. But um, but I'm still friends with people that I met there, and and actually some some types of music that I'd never been exposed to. Like there were like dub sound systems mm. coming in, like and you know, and I I knew dub, but I didn't really know it. And then like watching a sound system set up and do a whole night and watching the crowd react to it, that was you know that was powerful. And you know, I couldn't ever connect with house music in my formative years. And then I saw like this one house night and, I, you know, I was kind of working on a bar and I was like counting bars. Oh yeah. Like things keep changing X amount of bars. And then something drops out and I kind of understood it. And I think, you know, I might have learned, I might have learned more from, from working at the summers than like I did at school, you know, sure. it, it was, and I, I definitely, you know, I left, I left wiser and slightly more haggard. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is this is a very fitting conversation um, to be having as we lead into track five, Luke, which is the song that soundtracked your years in Clubland. Oh, crikey. Never been much of a clubber, I have to admit. Uh, I would only go out in the desperate pursuit of, um, you know, female affection, uh, which was not forthcoming most of the time. But, um, <laughs> but, I did, but, but um, so, so what would happen is you'd make re- really poor choices about where to go and end up in, in the, you know, basically like London's equivalent of, <laughs> of the summers. And... Um, you know, but but around around, I remember kind of. I came back from a festival, and I don't know what year it would have been, but I, I'd really been looking forward to a record. I think it was a, a second Elastica record was on the cards, and I was like, I really had appreciated that first record and got into it, and it came out, and it just did nothing for me, and I was really depressed about it. So, have took, you gone back to it? I haven't, but I, 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 I have no idea if it stands up or if it doesn't. But it 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 what the 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 important thing was I I was like I just need to get out of this rut and just listen to something else. So I just yeah. like I went to um, the record shop, took gave that back. Sorry, Elastic, I really do like your you know I really like really like them. <laughs> I'll buy it again one day, I promise. But then I was just like right bollocks, and I just got like a Mud Honey best of and 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 Go Plastic by Square Pusher, and then that just. But it literally took my head off. I was like, what? I mean, that's an intense evening right there. <laughs> oh, man. I fell asleep to it one night. And I, I, 
I swear to God, I injured my brain. Like, right <laughs> at, the, at the end of that album, it just sounds like a digital walrus just mo- <laughs> mooing, uh, you know, into oblivion. But, but you know, what what mega talent that guy is, man. Like, yeah. And that record's just just kicks ass. And I don't know, sent me on a big Warp Records thing for for many years. And then one of my friends started working for Warp and. Um, he would just like give me records. Uh, they would they would just let him take whatever he wants. So he just, just wow. Just let me take stuff and t- yeah, I just borrow it. You know, just listen to it. You know, for a week or something, and then take it back. And you know, so that was really exciting. And that was just before, um, you know, I got you know things would start to work. Was starting to work with music. So I was kind of, you know, there was a bit of a division between what I was writing and performing and what I was enjoying but i've always been real like flirting around with any kind of genre i don't really have any edges on anything in that respect and i think that just comes from like you know being raised by like my dad who's like really into you know he's painter and you know just i could see the merit in a photographically perfect incarnation of you know fruit bowl uh painted or you know the snail you know (laughs) or you know something really abstract Mm -hmm. so 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 i think that's just crept into my music taste as i've got older it's the best place to be, mate. There shouldn't be any edges. <laughs> Track six, Luke. A favourite song from an artist from your home county. Oh, wow, yeah. This was a fun question to answer. There's loads of good stuff. I mean, obviously, being all interwoven, doing a label and stuff, you get you get to hear so much cool stuff uh, Some you know that gets sent to you or you, you come across uh, or people suggest. Um, but I really, really love the Horseheads. And um, it was just such a random set of circumstances that led to us working together. And I swear to you, I've not put on this put this as a choice because we released the record. Genuinely, I love this band. Like, and I would love them if even if they hated me and they didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> like, yeah, the whole Seds Castles. What a tune! And what Luke, if I had to do this, um, I'm not joking. That track would be in my final three without a shadow of a doubt. Oh, amazing, like, man. I'm, I'm bearing in mind how much I adore Depeche Mode like, <laughs> and, and so exactly. many other bands. Like, But that track, I mean, I'll let you talk about it, but it's fucking incredible. Man, they, they are one of those bands where I don't know why it works. I, Mike did a session where he went into the studio to help him put a song together and he just was like, I've just made it worse. You know, like, you know they just have this kind of weird it's like almost Stooges-esque thing where when they do what they do with those people, it comes out and it just sounds like full of life, full of energy and rebellion. It's Discord Records is in there, you know, but then also like Factory Records is in there, Creation Records is in there. It's, it's you know, it's, there's bad brains, but there's also kind of like, you know, it's something else, you know, I can't, it's got a lot, it's got a lot of the DNA from, other things that I like, but they sound like no one else. And uh, we only really got to meet them. Actually, we were I was working with another uh, kid, uh, it was a really nice guy, who was doing a project called Freak, and we were doing a little bit of experimenting writing together and stuff. Um, and I went to see him play, and they were supporting. And every time I see the horse head, someone knows in the band. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and, and then sometimes they all swap instruments, and then other times, like we saw one one time, like the bass player was just, just drinking a bottle of wine. You know, that's all, and they had no shoes on. Do you know what I mean? It's just complete and utter chaos and uh, and disorder. And it was just a, uh, you know, it's just welcome in my world. It reminded me, you know, maybe of some things in the past. 
But um, Ronnie is, you know, I was just speaking to him earlier um, and um, he's just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, you know. <laughs> it's super cool, super lovely, so funny. And uh, again, just like kind of what, what you see on stage is not normally what you get when you talk, I suppose. And um, we've been working with, with them for a good few years now and we're really looking forward to doing a record of them, a whole album. I went back and watched the... Sorry, go on, carry on. No, 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 I just... They just make me smile, man. And I think, you know, that can't be a bad thing. I went back and watched the video again today. Um, Did did Canna make that video? Canna did. And do you know what? (laughs) There's a good story behind that. (laughs) We we did it in a rush, right? So I say we, uh, we we had a gig like on this Friday and I think I met him in a pub on the Thursday and I had to borrow a lighting pack off, off, off of someone to lend them to make the video. They went and made the video, <laughs> kind of smashed it. You know, they smashed it. Uh, but I don't think they turned the lights off. And uh, and then the next day, <laughs> someone else had to go to the studio that was playing at this gig we were doing. And they they touched the cymbal. <laughs> and it was like, and it was like magma. <laughs> like, oh, God! And, I, and it's just like, but so so the, vi- the video, as great as it was, it really was as chaotic in the real world, you know, as, as it looks in the video. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, they just, Ken's great when he just, um, he's great always, but he's super great when he's, when he's allowed to just be free with it, you know, and there's no, um, there's no rules. He just, I don't know what he was planning to do. He didn't even tell me, just went and did it. And then it was done. I think he edited it. Like it was all done in like 24 yeah. hours. It looks great still, doesn't it? It does look brilliant. And, and that song, it's like, I mean, it's going to be on the uh, the, the, the playlist uh, that accompanies this podcast. And for me, I, I have these moments where every now and again, you get a song that just stops you. Like, like when you first heard The Rat by The Walkman, where you just like, yes. fuck, what's this? Watch like, it. Who's this band? What is this? And, and and I, and I, I think the first time I saw it was uh, you probably shared it on your social media, mm-hmm. uh, and I've always kind of sort of kept an eye on, on on obviously what everybody's doing, you know, in our neck of the woods in in, in bands and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then just the screams he does before the guitars come back in are just fucking perfect. Like oh. so, it's it's like it's goosebumps right there, Luke. Like, it's real. It's real, <laughs> it's real isn't it? It's, it's yeah. It's as real as it gets, that scream, you know, like, ah, I just can't even yeah. do it. I couldn't do it justice in a million years. It's, yeah. Ronnie's got it, man. We were talking at one time about him do, you know, doing some hip hop or something because he's just got such a, he's just got such a way with words. But yeah. in a kind of bizarre tentacle of, of, of that story is we, a couple of years later, we did a ch- tune with them called, um, uh, Be- no, Questions. And, uh, you know, everybody's always after the old Spotify playlists, uh, you know, get those, get those stats up, you know, on, on the tracks and what have you. And, and I woke up one morning and our distribution just sent us this link and they're like, yo, you're on this, you know, the horse tunes on this Spotify playlist. I was like, wicked. And I like checked it out and it was like all Christian music. <laughs> but, but, and I literally, it's like, be what I want to be fucking be what I want. You know, it's all swearing in the tune and stuff. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, how and I, I still don't know, but someone must have got it, made a serious mistake. And this, this, it was only on there for like one week. I bet people were like, ah, you know. But, <laughs> but it, it was, it was, it was like the Christian choices that week. And it's like, man, you know, out of all the bands you could have picked, wonderful. You, you pick the band putting two grubby <laughs> middle fingers up at the whole world, you know. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. Um, 
track seven. Well, no, before we get to the last track, I just wanted to, while we're talking about the home county, so sure. um, w- watching you and, and Mike and, 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 you know, and Canna and, and so many people that have, have come through the, 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 the doors of, of the club that I've been at for a long time, um, you know, and, 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 and as far out as it goes from like, you know, I've seen your sister come to the club for many, many years. She's married someone that i watched come through my club and still to this day played the best gig I've ever seen on that stage um, and smashed the whole place up and ruined it for everybody afterwards. <laughs> but it was the most fucking amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, I, I just... Was, was that... Being, you know, finding yourself surrounded by what was going on in Southend, you know, aside from all the bands that, that, that you know, the people that, are, that that you've, you know, worked with, you know, there's been so much other stuff, whether that be Sam Duck, whether that be Horrors, these new Puritans, Ipso Facto, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, was it being surrounded by so much kind of exciting stuff in in an area where, I set this podcast up for one reason was to find out and I initially wanted to do it all based in Essex about that desire and that expectation, not desire, expectation that artists should move to London. Mm-hmm. And and I find that crazy. I've, I've, I've worked for, for many, many years with Scroobius Pip and he was somebody that's always said, ah, I, I quite like Stamford. <laughs> I don't really want to move to London. And, and there is always that surprise when people go, oh, do you live in London? No. And I've, I've gone a long way around getting to this question, Luke, but w- w- was it the fact that you were surrounded by so much talent and it, 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 where you live that, that, that you thought, right, I'm going to try and put a label together? Um, it, was a, it was a series of things, really. So I did a band very young, as you know, and uh, we got to put a record out and then it, uh, it all came to an end and I didn't know any other musicians really. And it was, you know, around the, around the time that the horrors emerged and bands like that. And I'd been in a band with Reese at secondary school and um, the guys from these new Puritans would come to a club night that me and Canna used to run at the sunrooms called Mishmash, which was like a grime, you know, punk rock hybrid night kind of thing, which was fun at the time. And I would see these people about, but then just, just after that, I started playing with a double bass player in London um, to do a project for quite some time. And that's how I met my drummer uh, now, Henry, who's in asylums. But um, so I, I kind of, I had to, I never left town. I always lived in, I, I lived in a little sex shop for seven years, not in the shop, but above it. Uh, the, I mean, my, that, that would be quite weird. And my family members was involved uh, with it. I don't know what his involvement was with it, but he had a cheap flat going, um, and so I, I could live quite cheaply there. Um, and I just used to commute to London and do these. I did like tons of stuff up there with this other project. And um, what I found was that I didn't find it as stimulating in London as I found it at home. And I never went there to be more stimulated, if that makes sense. But you expect, that, okay, you know, like if you move to New York and you're from the sticks, you'd be like, wow, the big city, you know, things going on. But I found it kind of, I, I, not, I love London, but I, I kind of, I, I found it all very disconnected and considered and stuff like that. And then it, as, as that period of my life was coming to an end, I was just, had this massive urge to do what I could 
um, it, to do something positive in my hometown. And I'd been teaching music, um, teaching music business and songwriting for quite some time in the town and seen all these great kids making music. And it just t- changed who I was as a person that whole time. And it made me want to dedicate my life to the arts, whether it was stuff that I'm involved in, other people's stuff, or just mentoring or help, or just helping young people just to maybe maybe avoid some of the pitfalls that I'd fallen into uh, or friends of mine had fallen into, try and, try and get a good working methodology to their art and try and make it positive in a mental health uh, capacity and, and just fun and community and all that stuff. Um, it wasn't easy at first. We, were, we started from zero, you know, and, you know, very small uh, events. We only had a few acts on the label and we had virtually no money. But to... Uh, I raised your long rounded round way to get to your question with a long way round to get to your answer is I didn't know that that's what I wanted to do, but I know now that it, it, it was, it was a desire to bring some positivity uh, into some people's experience with music by just helping them make it, just make it that bit easier to put stuff out and to have like a, uh, you know, some f- friends around them that were looking after them for the right reasons. You know, we didn't get into, we would have had to be insane to get into it at that point in, in, in time to make money. It was, just, it, it was never, and it will never be about that. It's just about trying to get people where they need to be just a little bit quicker than maybe they otherwise would have. And if, if, if we can do that, then I, I just, you know, makes me it just makes me just makes me feel happy man just to be able to have helped in a small capacity you know i mean before we go to the last question i don't think we've even said what the label's called yet our label is called cool thing records and we also we also have a radio show called cool thing presents on soho radio so i've seen this uh and is, is is it available as a podcast as well no we haven't ventured into that uh okay i think um there's just a few too many plates spinning at this point in time. And so let, people you know, can go and listen to it on Soho Radio now, though, your yeah, website. It's on, it's on Mixcloud, but our show airs every other Wednesday at 12. Okay. So, so you yeah. had a former guest of, of, of this podcast on. You had the lovely Gail Porter. Oh, yeah. Gail's, she's a lovely human being. I don't know how we've become friends, but we <laughs> – I don't know. I, I, she just – she's been like literally – I couldn't do it justice. She's been, she gave me a guitar, you know, like – I. I don't know. We are, she helped us carry our gear. Bought us cupcakes at, at gigs. I don't know. She's she's just she's just a one-off man. And like I don't know, we we're quite welcoming. You know, like uh, yeah, Gail, Gail's lovely, and then she's a true friend though. Like I would, it's not like some surface thing. It's like we talk about art and all sorts of things. And you know, if she's having a bad day, you know, we check in, and if you know, vice versa. She's a, a, a wonderful human being. She really is. Oh, yeah. Great ambassador for, for um, you know, kind of looking after your mental health. Completely, completely. And, and for anybody that's not yet watched the documentary that Gal made uh, that's on the BBC iPlayer, go and watch it because it's uh, – it's uh, it's 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 honest. It's it's, it's brutally honest uh, and insightful and inspiring. And yeah, and and it's 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 yeah, it's made for the right reasons by a wonderful person. So uh, go and check that out. Last track, Luke. You can play <laughs> DJ now, mate. Oh, um, yeah. The song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Oh, it's uh, Observatory Crest by. Um... 
Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band. And uh, it's just, a, for me, it, it doesn't really have a lot in common with what people know him for, if I'm honest. Uh, I know all of his great records, you know, Safe's Milk and, um, you know, all the other, you know, kind of Trout Mask, what have you. But this one, I, I think it sounds like it could have been sampled by De La Soul. You know, it's got a wonderful kick, kick drum snare uh, groove with, with a great bass line, but there's something going on in it. And uh, it just appealed. I, th- I think there's something in the lyric as well about, you know, I, I don't know, I get like a mental imagery when I listen to music, as I'm sure most people do. And whenever I hear it, I just I just remember like in, in Benfleet, there was this like big hill um I can't remember what it was called, but my friend Ed used to live at the top of this big hill. And Red dad, and Cheese Hill. Red and Cheese Hill, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no, I'm thinking of Essex Way, Essex Way, which is right. a little bit more grass and what have yeah. you. And, and um, anyway, uh, around the time that I first heard this tune, um, we I think we stayed up all night and just, you know, slept on the top of this big hill and just had a few beers and just talked about life and stuff. And it just reminds me of uh, just those, just nothing, you know, kind of, just no, no objective, no, no, just nothing really out of the ordinary going on. But sometimes those moments are like the ones that stay with you forever because you feel something on, on some other level that stays with you. And I, I just connect, whenever I hear that song, it just connects me to that sort of feeling of like just total like wonder of just being young and, and not knowing what's going to happen in your life and and what could be and maybe i'll be in a band maybe we'll get to do this maybe we'll get to do that and then like you know some of it happens you know and some of it does it doesn't well a lot of it has and uh to to, to finish up obviously where, where we've got to now is uh there's a, a new asylums record right there is it's called Genetic Cabaret, and it's out on the 17th of July. A delicious-looking bit of vinyl as well. They turned up at my office uh, last week, and I was petrified that something would have gone wrong with them. It, we, we proofread it, like, obsessively over and over <laughs> again. I was like, the tunes are going to be in the wrong order. Everything's going to go wrong. <laughs> and then it just turned up, and it was just right. And um, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so proud of it. A crudely designed, uh, the, like, my dad's... a like he's a designer like does all of our sleeves and stuff and um but i always like kind of give him something that i'm trying to like i give him an image and i crudely had taped like all of the kind of imagery that i wanted him to kind of create together the day before we were left to go to america to record and um and when it turned up now i was just like oh wow it looks so good so i was kind of proud of him i was proud of the band and just um proud that we've managed to make it to a third record in extremely <laughs> difficult times do you know Absolutely. what i mean on our own label you know what i mean and i never it's more than i ever expected you know so um yeah yeah it was a great feeling look it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you tonight and it's been a pleasure watching watching your career happen as well you know and and, and it involving lots of people that i have a lot of time for as well it's been really really nice to watch it to watch it all unfold and uh, and come to fruition, man. It's uh, yeah, it's great, man. Well, thanks for all the things that you did along the way, man. You know, <laughs> you know, no, seriously, dude. You know, 
respect is mutual. I remember, <laughs> I remember back in my uh, back in my youth. Uh, I think you would turn us on to cool records and stuff, and uh, <laughs> and just you know p- be a voice of hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is your own work. Go and listen to that second Elastica album again. Go revisit it. <laughs> is it is it really worth a go? Because I, I totally. Know, I wasn't trying to be bitchy or anything. Because I love mm. that first record. I know. I know. It, it, it was so right? different. It was so different. I saw but, them uh, around that time. They had a different lineup, right? And, um, yeah. Well, they had yeah. Mew joined on, on keys then, and, right. and Mew's now married to Justin the drummer, uh, and uh, who's, a, who's a wonderful human being. And, and, if, and also, if you want to get an insight into what it was like touring with Elastica then, have you seen the uh, MIA documentary? I watched about the first 15 minutes of it and I planned to watch the rest of it. It was Man. just, it was just before, but I think literally, I'm not joking. I'm pretty sure my wife went into labor. So I was just killing time watching documentaries. <laughs> we, were, we were a week overdue and I was like, all oh, right, okay. So I just go through the next documentary, next documentary, next one. And I think that, I just remember like, I'm pretty sure it was that night. It's like, uh, I think my waters are broken. And I was like, okay, turn that off, right? Try and find the bag. Try and find the bags. And I can't drive as well. So I was like trying to get a cab. And it, you know, oh, brilliant. And brilliant. I was, it was so stressful that I've not gone back yet, but I need to go back. because It's really mad. She, she made some of their videos when she was like 16, 17 and went on tour with them. And it's she's kept every bit of like sort of video camera footage of all of these moments. It's, it's, a, it's something to behold that doc. I'll have to dive in there because that first record, um, well, all of her records, but particularly that first record, like, like it did it for me in such a huge way. Like Galang is a co-write with Justine as well, isn't it? And, um, Sun showers, man, tunes like that. They're just yeah. mega, mega tunes. And it's got a little bit of that De La Soul <laughs> lo-fi-ness to it. It's sweet. Wonderful. <laughs> Luke, I will let you get back to your, your lovely family, man. Um, thanks so much for giving up your time today. Best of luck with the record. And, uh, and yeah, we'll put links to um, the Cool Thing website um, on everything we uh, do when, when this comes out, man. You lovely man. Thank you. Take it easy, dude. Take it easy, buddy. There you go. It's always really nice when you... You know someone, and 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 I say, you know, I know Luke really well. I, I guess I feel like I know him better because I've watched his career uh, for so many years um, flourish, and and so that's that. That's been really nice to just have that opportunity for us to to sit down and and have a chin wag about it all. And and I hope you got as much joy from listening to that as I did um, talking to Luke. Um, We'll be back next week. Um, In the meantime, uh, as mentioned at the beginning, uh, feel free to go and have a a route around in the archives of uh, this podcast because there's 150 plus episodes with some incredible creative people. Um, So go and have a a rummage over there. And uh, and if you really enjoy it and you want to support the podcast and you want more content, um, then uh, I do have a Patreon page. Um, which is patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track podcast. Um, you can find out about it all at uh, off the beaten uh, track podcast.com. Right. I'll let you get on with your day. See you soon. Take care. Bye bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify. Acast and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about I mean in the first edition there's 
interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.